This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Bentonville, Arkansas. I'm uh, just going to be sharing more of the content from the Women's Leadership Summit uh, that we did about a month ago now. And uh, there were just some really good sessions. And uh, today we're going to be sharing one of the equipping seminars that we had where um, I was the moderator, but we had... um, we had four of our leaders. We had Rocky on the stage, uh, Zyla Brown, who's a lady from Northwest Arkansas, Melissa George, who is one of our leaders in Atlanta, Georgia, and then David Welton, another one of our leaders from Northwest Arkansas. And we were talking about the DNA, of course, we, the whole weekend was the was talking about DNA. This particular equipping seminar was the DNA of the journey process and also just the DNA of abiding in Christ being the, the core heartbeat of our ministry. And so anyway, uh, each of them got to talk a little bit about their perspective, and we also filled some questions from the ladies in the audience. So anyway, I think you'll enjoy this. And uh, and again, it applies to women as well as men because we're talking DNA, which is, uh, is universal. So anyway, enjoy this uh, next podcast on the DNA of the journey. Ladies, we're going to get started. Um, This is intended to be an interactive deal. This is not a teaching session, um, but hopefully you'll learn something. Um, uh, Kyle Neely's got a microphone, so he's going to, if you, uh, this is a chance for you to ask questions. Uh, A lot of this is going to be some of the stuff that Rocky and I talked about this morning as far as elements of our DNA, and you got some different people here who we believe get the DNA. Uh, We've seen it in them, and these are leaders, and so uh, men and women. So um, the first area we're going to talk about is uh, the DNA of the journey itself and the DNA of abiding in Christ um, that that goes through everything we do, as you heard this morning. So so before, uh, be thinking about your questions, but before we do that, I'm going to let these guys just give like a one to two minute uh, answer of what does abiding mean to you as it relates to the journey maybe. So David, you get to start. Oh, good. Um, one to two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody comfortable? <laughs> um, uh, abiding, what does it mean to me? It, it is my life. Um, it is Jesus. It is that intimate communication uh, that he, to this day, and and probably for every last breath that I have, that he will continue to teach me how to do. Um, By nature, I'm not a good communicator. My wife would second that. Um, I had an experience as I was just going through my first journey group where we were at, my wife and I were at a party and uh, it was a Christmas party and there was a bunch of people from our small group there and it was crowded. Everyone's talking about Razorbacks, weather, all these things. And there was a lot of voices going on, but out of all those voices across the room, I could hear my wife's voice really clearly. It was, it was interesting. And, and what the Holy Spirit was imparting on me was that there's, there's a lot of things that are going on in my life and in your lives as well, I'm sure. And, but he wants my heart and he is there constantly, always with me, willing to speak into me if I'll just pay attention. And so it's, uh, for me, abiding is a little bit of just paying attention. Um, I'm also very, um, guilty of listening but not paying attention. Does that make any sense? If any of you guys are married, y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't know anything about <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm learning now to pay attention, and a lot of times that means uh, not saying anything and not coming with an agenda. So it's, it's, it's an ongoing communication is what abiding is to me with my father. Okay. Melissa. I second that for sure. Um, I was going to say a constant conversation. I can get up every morning and do my Bible study and um, 
some days I'm really distracted. What Nicole was saying last night, I could really resonate with that. I try, but, um, but sometimes it may not be that morning. It may be through one of my kids at school or whatever, but it would be a constant conversation just and being sensitive to when he's like, stop or listen or pay attention or, um, so that's what it is to me. Well, you guys said it all. We can go home now. <laughs> uh, to me, abiding is putting the small things that irritate and interfere and get in the way, put those aside and put my focus on Jesus and letting Jesus live in me and me in him. I don't think there's much more I need to say. Y'all know. I'll just say this. I think one of the big things that was a game changer for me was being a diligent man that, that had quiet times every morning and prayer times uh, and, and having a tendency to segment a time of day or, or an event or whatever like this even is an abiding period. And then to, then to come to understand that abide is also translated remain. And the remaining aspect means it's constant uh, as I go through the day, in day in and day out, in bad and good and hard times and easy times. He's there. And so learning to practice knowing he's there is the key. Okay, another, another uh, question that I just want a fairly brief response because you'll have a chance to answer some questions is the journey obviously is designed to help people find that abiding relationship. That's, I mean, that was God designed it and gave it to Rocky and that was the hope and that's the goal. Uh, not even the fruit, it's just the abiding and let the fruit happen for itself. Uh, we talked about form versus function and function being the non-negotiables. So what would you guys say some of the non-negotiables of the journey, just a few things that come to mind as non-negotiables of the process, of the journey process. Because Rocky said some people change it and that kind of stuff, so what would you guys say that was something that would be worth guarding, something to say, no, you would not want to miss this part? Zyla, go ahead and start since you got the microphone. You can't change God's Word. You can't try to make the journey go the way you want it to go. You have to make the journey go the way God wants it to go and let the Holy Spirit lead you. You're not leading a group, you're guiding a group to walk the journey with you. You're all walking it together and you're all learning more each time together, supporting each other, working with each other, and not letting anything change that, not letting, not letting anything change the Word of God. You don't focus on other materials. You focus on the Word. Yeah, so that, so, you know, a, a creative guide might decide, well, we don't need to get in the Word. Let's just, I've got this great book I'm reading. I want to bring it in, you know, and, and get away from God's Word. Or I heard, also heard Spirit Led, and also heard you're all on the journey together, the guides just as much as the participants, right? Um, okay, that's good. Melissa. So that's a loaded question. <laughs> I wish it were an easy answer, and, and it would be easy to say stick to the journal or stick to the guide. Um, but, I would say that every every meeting is different for us. Um, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes, you know, we pray the Spirit in. Sometimes things happen in the middle of our meeting that we weren't prepared for at all, and you just kind of have to go with that because God's got a plan, and it wasn't part of your plan. Um, so stick to the guide, but have grace to allow people and to allow the Holy Spirit to move and do what he's doing in your group. You know, if you don't finish everything that night, then that's fine. You know, you can catch up next week or whatever, um, but allow, because that's really what it's all about is the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's doing in each one of your women's lives, 
you know, so be sensitive. I, th- I think that would be the most important thing is just be sensitive to what the spirit is doing and allow the spirit to do that. Well, I heard, I also heard grace driven, which is a big, that's a big DNA point of being, you know, cause a lot of studies can, you know, or leaders who are like me, who are a types can really get, we got to ask every question, get an answer. You can get down on people if they didn't do their homework, you know, cause you can yes. be disappointed. We got to have grace. Got to have grace. A lot of grace. And you have no idea what's going on in someone's life, you know, on the grace thing. You don't, you don't know what's, and we actually talked about this in our, um, our breakaway group, um, just allowing the spirit to move and thank God he gives us grace because there are days when I come my whole last year, thank God for Lauren because she led the whole thing. I was just not in a place, um, where I can guide anybody. I mean, I was wrecked, but, um, just encourage your girls keep showing up. You know, even if you haven't read, they're getting fed, believe it or not. Um, so. And you yeah. just brought up another key non-negotiable, having a co-guide. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why you have to have a yes, co-guide. that's definitely a non-negotiable. Jesus sent them out two by two yes. for a reason, yeah. right? You got to have a wingman or wingwoman. <laughs> David, anything else you've done on non-negotiable? Um, for me, I've learned through doing it incorrectly. Um <laughs> So I, I, by nature, am a uh, ready, shoot, aim person. So uh, prayer is really the, I mean, throughout the whole process. um, So when I first started doing journey groups or guiding journey groups, it was kind of the sales process. I need to sell you that, like, you need this, you need, man, you really need this. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, you know, I went around fitting square pegs into round holes and we would start with 20 people and commence with six. And, and I thought, man, I, I'm not a very good journey guide, which I wasn't. Um, so prayer in every part of the process, um, prayer about Lord, is this what you want me to do? Like, am I making the journey an idol? Um, Lord is it okay if this is this is what you want me to do who do you want me to do it with who's my who's my co-guide um, Lord if you want me to do this who's going to be in the group and and I'll just be obedient to sow those seeds and then once the group starts getting your co-guide together and praying Lord what does this group what does this session need to look like I mean I have the manual here obviously I know what we're going to talk about um, but what you know and it, it, this whole thing's going to go sideways if it's not about you and if it's about my leadership. So prayer has been the biggest thing for me that I've had to learn through not doing it correctly. Um, the other thing, uh, like Melissa talked about is grace driven. So through the, the kind of forceful invitation and, and sales process that's, which is not grace driven, um, asking, inviting, sowing, and praying, and letting the Holy Spirit bring that, and then and then experiencing, you know, some some groups where there's people a part of that group who are wanting to take the the discussion over a lot of times. Um, we don't know anything about that. Yeah, you know, there's there's no a, one's ever experienced. No, that. yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, there's a fine line between letting the spirit, you know, f- kind of f- letting things flush themselves out and being distra- a distraction. And so, as you come through those experiences, letting the Holy Spirit lead you to that person who's been the distraction or people, and and gracefully asking them, "Is this for you?" because you're, you're not being fair to the rest of us. Um, hate me for it if you want, but this is what I see. And, and so, um, that's that, where the guide's kind of getting into becoming a mentor, yeah. you know, and you got to pull them aside, you know, privately sometimes and talk to certain people just to, just to lovingly mentor them in the, yeah. Group. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so prayer, grace driven, uh, Holy spirit in, inspired process. The other thing too, that, so I, I've been guilty of wanting to focus on one part, but not another. And so coming into it with my agenda again, uh, prayer helps flush those things out as well. So yeah, I don't think you can be grace driven or spirit led if you're not praying. Mm. So 
Totally. Yeah. I would say that's the foundation prayer mm -hmm. to this event, to a journey group, to anything that you're going to do that I'm going to do in my life. Okay. Rocky, any, any oh, yeah. thing that hadn't been said that is jumping out at you? Actually, I, I think that you understand my pattern back in 2005 when we went out to California and I took three men with me and they wanted to know about the journey. I said, ask them. Because I, I do believe that it's not the person who originates it, I guess you'd say. I, I, I was in line where Jesus downloaded it, but I didn't originate it. He did. But... A lot of times people want to look for that person to be the answer man. And I, and I really do believe the most credible testimony is not what I say is what they say and what y'all say. In fact, I want to ease out of here for that reason. I just want to listen to them. But I want to say one thing about the importance of a guide being healthy, soul healthy. And, and I think you have to ask, you have to look at the symptoms, you have to ask yourself, do I have the passion I used to have? Do, do I have this desire to really not prove something, but just to being a, in, a, in a connection with the Lord in such a way that He can love through me? And if you're having a hard time with that, then you go get away with Him. He's inviting you. Come away with Him. Uh, there's a, there's a, a devotional book that says, Come away with my beloved. Amazing book. But come away, my beloved, and get away with it. Let him replenish the fire, rekindle it. If you ever start finding that, then things flow. They flow easily because he is work at work in your life. Don't become mechanical. Let it always be inside out. And, and you'll see great fruit. So let's let them answer the rest. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to open the floor for any questions you guys have about um, the journey process. Anything that's just in, on your burning questions or about abiding in general, since that's the key DNA point that we want to make sure everybody gets. What questions do you have that, that you just would like to bring up for the group? Let, let, speak in the mic. So, yeah. Okay. I absolutely love the way you spoke about the form may change, but the DNA will never change. And I love that. And I'm just curious as to what you see maybe the form being for the the women's versus the, the men's. What what form could blossom? Okay. What uh so the question I think is what you know, how does uh, how can how would the form change for a woman versus a man in a, in a journey group? Which our last breakout group is all about the nuances of women and all that stuff. But still, I, I, anyone have any thoughts about how it would be different for a woman than a man in the journey? Any thoughts? Mainly you women, maybe. <laughs> like we talked about in our breakout group, women understand women. Women are willing to open up to women and realize I'm broken and somebody else feels the same way. Where we wouldn't open up and unload things to a man that we would to another woman. And that's why women's groups seem to work better. And they branch out to other women, and women teach their children, which will grow up to branch out to other women, to other groups. I think that's the biggest difference. Melissa? Well, we didn't, we had never done the journey when we went, <laughs> when we started guiding. Um, which was a great place for us to be. I think we became very dependent on the Holy Spirit in that situation. <laughs> but when I saw retreat, I was like, yes, weekend. <laughs> so we do, I think, one specific way that's different. I don't know about men, but women are always looking to get away for the whole weekend. So we do weekends away versus eight-hour prayer time. Or I mean, we do that too, but, um, but we make a whole weekend out of it. So that could be something you do if you don't do that. Um, I can't speak to the women's side. The only experience I have is in a couples group, uh, seeing the communication style differences typically. You know, my... 
my guess is that, you know, we, so we live in a world that isn't trying to impart its value system upon us. And a lot of us have agreed with that, uh, me included. And so men's value system is kind of, and, and Melissa and I were just talking about this before we came up here. She was kind of coaching me on what to say. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, Men value themselves on a lot of, I'm generalizing here, please forgive me, but uh, men value themselves based on how big their biceps are, right? Um, women have different value propositions. And so I think to be sensitive to the spirit in those conversations that you're having with your other ladies on, on listening to what those people have centered their value proposition on is going to be very key in the success of, of women's uh, journey group. Because, you know, the DNA, like you said, is going to be the same regardless of whether it's men, women, men and women, kids, uh, the DNA is Jesus. Um, but we're all coming to it from kind of different perspectives. You know, we all have our own little very minute sliver of, of perspective of what life is. And a lot of times if you don't agree with what mine is, then you're wrong. Um, and that's just not, you know, God has spent, I'm 51 now. So he spent the past seven years helping me relearn my value proposition, um, and my identity. And so I think for women, women are just going to communicate that value proposition different. And that value proposition is going to come from a different place than it does from a man. Cause we're, we typically will tend to be slow to give that up. Like we're going to hold our cards pretty close. Uh, for the most part, in my experience, a lot of white collar groups, uh, you know, a lot of my groups tend to look like me, you know, so far. Um, and and we're just we're on the outside. We're good. And it's going to take a while until that inside comes out and and that real kind of refugee starts to rear his head. For ladies, I would imagine that might be a little bit different. I'm going to have something. Uh, the uh, it's interesting about uh, different regions uh, because even with men, I can tell you, Southern men from Mississippi and Tennessee and all that, they're not they're not really keen about uh, letting you know their their stuff, and and they they stand a little standoff. Now, the thing that's going on in, in uh, Bakersfield is there's a lot of brokenness out there, and that's why you got such a great. Uh, experience that's going on with the spirit moving is because of brokenness. I've always said that. The key to the key to Bakersfield is brokenness. And God can really deal with the brokenness and it's hard for men to break. But now here's the thing about it. Uh, the journey is, is strategically vertically oriented. So we're not driving it horizontally, which a lot of them do. I got an idea that with men, we can stay on track with vertical orientation, even though they get vulnerable when they finally get get right. Uh, and I, I don't know this, now please take, don't take me wrong, but I kind of think that maybe women might want to tend toward going horizontal more and get uh, relational this way, uh, try to help each other that way. The, the danger of that is that you move eyes focused in the wrong direction. So be, be aware of that, okay? Now, the other issue is you have to ask yourself, uh, are you uh, okay with trusting women? That's a good one. <laughs> Being vulnerable? Because I've kind of heard somebody say that a lot of women don't get want to give up trust with other women around. So therefore, when you have your journey group with women, you got to have a sacred pledge to each other. It all stays here. Because yeah. yeah. vulnerability is very important. Um, but you got, you're not going to really be vulnerable unless you can trust. So the men, you know, we, yeah, we're not, we're not wanting them to tell us their, their, their stuff, you know. 
we want to be vertically oriented, but it, it, it eventually always goes that way. And, and there's one thing about discipleship, it is messy. And when you enter in people's lives as a guide, then get ready to get into life, part of their life they're going to invite you to. But always remember now, DNA, DNA, DNA. you got to point them toward Jesus. There's the answer. You're not the answer. Yeah. Yeah. He's the answer. Yeah. So that would be the contrast that I could possibly see with men and women. Well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think out loud here about um, an example of being horizontal versus vertical, because I think vertical is the key. Yes. Um, and I'd like to have heard examples of... And, I think this was a women's group where they would go, all right, let's start a meeting up. Everybody, uh, how are you doing? Let's go around the room and everybody share how they're doing before you even start the meeting. Well, guess what happens? There's no meeting. By the time everybody's done sharing all their stuff, they don't even get into the material. They don't get into God's Word. They don't get into prayer. And this is what he's talking about. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong. It's great that you care about each other. But try to have that stuff happen outside of group time. Keep the, keep the focus vertical because the devil would love to keep you from getting in God's Word and keep you from getting in the stuff that's really going to change your heart. Because this isn't going to change your heart. And, and this isn't going to help you on your day of, of testing when your sisters aren't around you. This is. So just remember that. Any other questions out there about the journey or abiding or anything actually? But Yes. The man with the purple shirt will help you. Remember I talked about purple? Okay. It looks good, doesn't it? Purple. It looks great. I love it, Kyle. I wish I had mine. <laughs> um, one of the non-negotiables is the um, having of a co-guide, and I totally agree with that because I have had one um, each time that I've guided a group. This year, I started with one, and she has some health issues, so she needed to bow out. The Lord has not provided us a replacement. What would you say to that? Keep going? Um, Keep praying? <laughs> and how within how, your group... Someone within my group, I've kind of had that idea to start grooming somebody within. I mean, we're still pretty early on, but I was just looking for any ideas if that's ever happened to anybody. So what do you guys think? I mean, how important is that to have a co-guide? Well, I think the enemy is would, would love for you to stop, but don't. Um, but it's extremely important to have a co-guide because God made me the way I am. My other two co-guides are my polar opposites and we just completely complement each other. Um, and I think that, and, and he brought us together, it, you know, so he's got somebody out there for you. Just keep praying. <laughs> That's my answer to you. And, you know, it doesn't have to be two. She mentioned three. You know, some, some one thing that evolved early on is uh, some groups had three, two other co-guides. There were three of them. You know, and the court of three strands is not easy broken, you know, and, and uh, the Peter, James, and John. I mean, you could you use some other examples that three is not bad either. So that way you got a wingman in case somebody has to drop out or whatever. My, my third co-guide died last year. And so uh, it was an interesting deal. But... Um, Anyway, well, the first journey group in 2001 didn't have a co-guide. <laughs> there you go. Just blew the whole thing. Well, she wrote the book. <laughs> I, I, I was a co-guide to Jesus. <laughs> so always go back to the Jesus rule, okay, and the power of the Spirit, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So don't perceive this as weakness. Perceive it as opportunity. Press on. Yes. But I, I think I tend to agree that there, there's probably someone there who's that you would know that's a little more mature or maybe more ready than the other ones and ask them if they would just step into that role, you know, and you don't, cause you don't have to have gone through the journey to, to get, to be a guide. So, okay. Hopefully that helps a little bit. If God gives you another, a co-guide, great. If he doesn't give you a co-guide, don't quit. Keep going. Yeah. Don't quit. That's the biggest thing. Takeaway. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. <laughs> Okay, you kind of answered. I uh, just want to be clear. So, you know, when should a person, woman or man, um, 
choose to be a guide or a co-guide? Should you be a co-guide before you're a guide? Should you be a guide before you've gone through the journey? Is that what you're saying? Um, well, I mean, is there like a... Are there any boundaries around when you should be the guide versus the co-guide? Well, I mean, um, when I say, well, there's different opinions when you use the word co-guide. Some people view co-guide as almost like Batman and Robin, you know, like Robin's <laughs> the, the mentor, mentee, and yeah. Batman's a mentor. I tend to think of it as they're just equal. They're equal, sharing the la la labor together. There's no one higher or lower. And there's, it looks different, you know. But um, what do you guys think her question is, when's the right time to guide a journey group? Or, you know, maybe to, what are your thoughts on that? When you pray about it and God tells you it's time. I went through the my second journey group, and at the end of that was the book that Rocky had written, Beyond the Inner Chamber. And I was debating on whether I wanted to guide a group. I had been told I should guide a group, but I was... I guess I was fighting it. I didn't didn't know if I was qualified, if I was ready, if I was able, or if God wanted me to. And I prayed about it, and at the end of, and I, if you haven't read the book, I'm gonna tell you the end of the book. <laughs> at the end of the book, it says, be a disciple making disciples. And that's part of the journey. We're guiding others to be a disciple. We're guiding, we're letting God guide us to be a disciple. And through that, and through God's power, and through the study, we can help others make disciples. And that's what I kept hearing every time I prayed when I was getting close to the end was go and make disciples. Okay, the reason I asked is because my understanding was that in Bakersfield, you had to have gone through the journey two, three years before you could be a co-guide. Three years, is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Okay. I, and I didn't know if it was different for every region. I think it is different, and I mean, I think people. Um, what we, what, what did you hear a lot of up here is spirit led, you know, and so, I mean, there's some wisdom though, in, in uh, the regions taking, taking responsibility for making sure their guides are healthy and ready and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, that, and they may have viewed that that's a good length of time, so that's okay. Um, I would say, like in Northwest Arkansas, um, anyone who wants to lead a journey group is okay. Rockies just kind of held it. Lucy really trusting the Holy Spirit to do that. Um, uh, and used to, um, it was hard for everybody to go through the journey first because there weren't that many options. Now there's so many options with uh, virtual groups and and they're starting all different times of year that there's a lot more opportunities to go through it first. I still think that's probably the best for somebody to go through it first before they, they guide. So you can kind of get it for yourself and understand your own things that God wants to work on before you go help others. I mean, I definitely think that that's always better. Um, but anyway, any other thoughts from here on our question? We, um, there was no journey in Atlanta. Um, and I just knew that I wanted what my friend had received. And so, um, just that intimacy with Jesus. I saw the transformation in him and I was like, oh, that's what I've been praying for. Um, so I think, it, you know, and we prayed for a long time because I I think Brian had such a profound statement. I called him and I was like, oh, I don't know about guiding a group. I mean, I've never been through it or I'm so not worthy to do that. And he was like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. That's because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. So. Yes. <laughs> But 
I heard this old guy one time, well, I actually said it a million times and I'm still trying to get it through my head. He says, experience trumps theory. <laughs> and as I've processed through that, um, because I, I, I'm, I, man, the journey process has changed my life, and so I'm just a guy who wants to lean on a process or a set of rules. Well, what does Christ tell us about the set of rules if we want to lay our lives on that? So I, I think the North Star that that, that old guy likes to talk about um, is Jesus, and no matter whether it's picking a guide or forming a group or running the group, your reliance on him is primary to answering those questions. So it, it doesn't mean that you won't experience times where you, you ask a co-guide to be your guide and it becomes a distraction and, and then things, you know, evolve from there. But yes, um, I, I don't... If you make it about the process, then we're starting to deviate. Who, who's the old guy? Les Piercy? No. Oh, okay. He's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rocky's got something to say. I feel like I need to defend myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not old. <laughs> and I am experienced. <laughs> the... Uh, you know, the question is, what qualifies a guide? That's what you're asking, isn't it? When, when do you know you qualify to be a guide? And uh, it, that's a hard question to answer because if you say, well, you need to be abiding in Christ, well, what about those who are wanting to abide in Christ? What about those who are seeking to abide in Christ? Because we help other people and help ourselves. And I think the supernatural aspect of just being honest before the Lord, here I am, I don't have much to offer, but I'm yours. He didn't have any, he didn't go through the journey before he took it to Tulsa. Right? Right. And uh, so qualifications have more to do with your walk with Jesus and your intentionality there. You know, there's a scripture in Ephesians that says this, knowing this to the good, the good we do to others, God himself will come back and do the same to us. There's a spiritual dynamic is that when we help people, go to a place we want to go, we are able to help ourselves go there as well. And that was what I said to those people, the first journey group. I'm on this journey. Go with me and help me and I'll help you. So that's a DNA right there. Now, I understand that, that the worst thing we can do is have people that are not really, when I say qualified, let's just say bad representatives of the journey. That's the best way to say it. And that's when they deviate from it. They, that's when they try to make it a man thing or a woman thing or a control thing. And so this is where our training comes in. And we're not giving you fundamentals on how to do it here. We're, we're giving you fundamentals on why you do it this way. It's about the why factor. Why we do this. It's a sacred romance with our, with our Lord. That we're inviting people to come join us in. Now what better qualification than that? Some of our best journey group leaders are in prison. And in Cummings Prison in Arkansas, a real tough, rough southern prison. We've got some amazing journey group guys down there. And they have a community on their own where it's reproducing. And so, um, gosh, I'd be the one you'd disqualify to be a leader if you're based on the imperfections of a person. But I just love the idea that somebody is just really, in, they're innocent in their desire to do this. It's not for me, it's for thee. And that's, that to me is the best qualification. Okay, any other, maybe one more, one or two, for, we're gonna have another session after this, so. So I shared this with Rocky just briefly the other day, but I, I have such a burden for the church in America and how there's just a large discipleship piece missing from churches in America. And I guess my question is, do you ever feel impatient with the work that God's doing in 
in, in and throughout. I mean, cause we are the church, we are the church. Um, but on how to share that within your Sunday churches that you're going to without that programming, you know, cause you, it doesn't work when you try to disperse it widely amongst a church a lot of times. And, um, I just, you know, I feel that that burden of discipleship, the discipleship piece missing in the church. And I feel that a lot on, you know, Sundays and, and just, I love everybody. And, you know, I love the people around me and we all feel that way about our churches, I'm sure. But especially because this journey changes you and it makes you more compassionate and, um, makes you want to share the love of Christ through a daily abiding walk. But, um, just, do you ever feel that? And how do you, how do you maneuver that as you're walking through this? And I know it's Holy Spirit led and, you know, each one more of us in our church is going to impact the whole church, you know, overall, but that's just, sometimes it doesn't organically happen within your church. It happens like my, my journey group is no one is at the same church. We're all in different churches, which is beautiful, but I have a, you know, I have a burden for the American church and what, what it's kind of in a way kind of become in some, you know, some ways. I think all three of you people have dealt with your, the church thing, right? And had it. So yeah, give them, give, give her some input. Well, you're, you're speaking, you're speaking my sweet spot. (laughs) If you really want to get me on a, on a, a platform to start talking. It's going to be about my my heart for the, the church in America, and I'm brokenhearted over it. I'm broken over the divisions we have, denominational, racial. Why why we got there? We're all in the same family. When are we going to start pulling together? Mm-hmm. We're not going to ever pull together if we're horizontally driven, y'all. We're going to have every reason why we don't like each other. But when we get vertical, those things diminish. They fall away. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to get the church in America to be the church. Because that's what America needs more than anything. Yep. They don't need political leaders. They need godly men and women that are going into this refugee camp out there and showing the way to Jesus. And uh, I'm brokenhearted over churches resisting. Because we know this for a fact. We have seen this. We know the measurements of this. That when a pastor especially is a cheerleader for a discipleship, using the journey, the abiding relationship, and he is focused on abide, abide, abide. He preaches through abide, abide, abide. He supports the efforts of abiding journey groups in his church. We know this happens. One, it raises up leaders. It develops the core. It goes from a, a, a 20, 80, 20, which that, what that represents is that 80% of the people come to a church, only 20% serve, only 20% lead, only 20% give or less. But what we've seen in the churches that have become abiding churches, we've seen it flip and they become 20, 80. It raises up leaders. It gets it out of the church. It becomes evangelistic. It gets it into the communities. It gets it into the companies. It expands the church reach, the footprint, because they're raising up disciples and disciple makers. Churches in America could become healthy. You don't have to worry about fundraising when you have disciples in your church that are supporting the church. They don't even have to fundraise anymore because they're giving to them. But how many of the Western churches have spent so much of their time and effort hammering us to give, 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 give? And we give out of obligation rather than joy. We're, we're giving the wrong messages. The church has got to begin to recognize that in the body of Christ, we have got to get back in love with Jesus. We've got to get back to Jesus. We've got to abide in Jesus. And when that happens, the fruit of that is going to bless our churches, and our churches are going to bless our communities, and our communities are going to bless this nation. That's where it lies. So you can see this is my hot spot. Yeah. Start with a small group from your church. Invite people, you know, just different women uh, to come. That's like where we meet. There are only three of us from that particular 
congregation that are in our group. Lindsay is my co-guide. <laughs> and when, when we are finished with our, our meeting and go through the other room, there are people that are asking what is going on in there. What are you women doing in that room? Why is everybody coming out of there smiling and laughing and having so much joy? And I just tell them it's the journey to the inner chamber that you know we're learning to abide with Christ and grow closer to God. And I've got more women that are asking about the next group. So just start small and let God take it from there. Melissa, what's your perspective? Because Melissa goes to uh, North Point, Andy Stanley's church in Atlanta, really big, prominent, you know, Charles Stanley's son, Andy, started a church. It's a really pretty thriving church in Atlanta. What's your perspective? We, um, so I feel the same way that you do. And it's the same straw, I think, for all of us. And once you've gone through this, you want to share it with everyone and you want to shake your church and go, come on, this is exactly what you're looking for. Um, but I agree with Zyla. I, I think start small. We started a group. Um, we went through it. We, we have a thing called group link at our church where, um, you post your group on this website and, and then people join. So we took, um, pretty much the DNA of the journey and just said, if essentially, if you want to deeper intimacy with Jesus. If you're looking for more, then come on. Um, and we, how many did we get Lauren the first time? 12. I think we got 12 the second year. No, the second year we did a virtual group in another state in New York. Um, and then the third, this, our latest group, I think we opened it up to 20 and it filled up within 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a couple of hours, something like that. Um, and we call her a mole, but we have a girl who's on staff at uh, North Point who's in our group, and she is amazing. She's so powerful, and I'm just praying that um, she takes it back. I, I'm praying that people see a transformation in her life, and, and they're like, what, what is this? This is what we want, and I'm praying that it'll go back. Um, it'll grow organically like that. I mean, God's got his plan, so we're just along for the ride. Uh, I would say you're on mission. Uh, not in Timbuktu or the jungle. <laughs> you're on mission at the pew, on the pew at your church. Um, I was one of those guys who sat on that pew next to you for 12 years had no idea what a relationship with Jesus was like. I'd throw my Jesus jersey on Sunday and then the rest of the week just do whatever I wanted. Sound familiar? That's my heart too. Um, so to echo what these ladies said is um, God has laid that burden on your heart because he is sending you on mission on the pew in your church. And it starts with sowing. Actually, it starts with praying and then sowing. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do through you in that church because he is faithful and will do it. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this, David, uh, David and I've, we were at the same church at one point and um, I'm guilty of being the journey salesman. And I was almost like an Amway salesman. They see me coming and they're like, start ditching in the bathrooms or anything like that. He's going to talk to me about that journey thing again. And uh, trying to knock the doors down. You know, I was in sales before, you know, and uh, David was way more wise than I was. He was more just winsome. He was just coming along, building relationships. And then you invite him on the journey. Sure. When you start a journey, you invite your church friends and it will start slowly spreading. And, and I think also respect the pastor 
respect the pastor and don't don't try to take shots at your church and look at what they're doing wrong. That's that's not going to get you anywhere. Come alongside the church. We're here for the church. We're here to help the church. We're not going to help them by being critical and all that. And and so we just have to. And they're under a lot of pressure. Those pastors and and a lot of them have never been discipled. Yeah. You know, and they all get somebody coming in every day with a program and hand them a book with the latest program. No wonder they're a little hard. You know, wanting to close their ears toward it. The surest way to hinder the grace-driven process is to tell them that they're doing it incorrectly. Yeah. Um, while that may be true, that's the last thing, especially a guy wants to hear. Um, so just, just start small, go deep and pray big. <laughs> well, when, 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 a, when a good pastor starts seeing transformation in his church, then he starts wanting to know what's going on. You know, and then they start getting behind it. So, uh, so. I have a group going right now with uh, my co-guide, uh, Eric Pay. Actually, I'm Eric's co-guide. And uh, there's two pastors in my church right now that are on in the journey with us. And, and uh, we're starting to see breakthroughs in their lives. You know, it's very, I mean, I could, I can't think of a harder job to have your income reliant on the church and, and what you're supposed to do. And I think it's very natural for a person to look at their work on a daily basis in the church and, and consider that a relationship with Jesus. Check. I'm good. In reality, they're starting to drift and drift and drift and drift and drift. And pretty soon the enemy takes them out. Um, it's our job to take them with us into the inner chamber. Well, we hope you enjoyed that recording from the Influencers Women's Summit that we had about a month ago and, uh, and one of our equipping seminars we had on one of the afternoons uh, talking about the DNA of the journey. So anyway, uh, again, uh, you can check out more podcasts that we've done on our website uh, at influencers.org on our resources and podcast page. You can also find all our podcasts on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. So anyway, and, and be sure you check out all the resources that are available on our website. But if we can do, help you at all, uh, do anything for you and help you as you make disciples, contact us through the website. And we would be glad to help you. We're here to help you and support you any way we can. So anyway, my name is Brian Craig. I'm the executive director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.